You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Made it to a Friday. It's a meat Friday at that. In case you're wondering, bangers and mash, Irish soda bread. Who's got it better than we do? Nobody. Except for Marvin. Marvin's Yukon Huskies go down in flames. He has a pie coming his way. Do you want to end your week with a pie or start next week with a pie? I'm definitely starting next week with a pie. Oh. I'm having a really good Friday. It's nice outside. Okay. I like starting with Monday. Okay. All right. Or feels like a good day to maybe a shepherd's pie to the face, right? Playing off the whole St. Patrick's. Oh, okay. Just saying, just throwing it out there. Uh, welcome to the program, 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address, dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at dpshow. This is where you go to work today. You talk to your buddies like, oh, my bracket's busted. No, your bracket's not busted. You know when it's busted? When your final two teams playing for the national title game aren't in, one of those two, or both. Then your brackets are busted. But... I don't know how many people pick St. Peter's to beat Kentucky. If you pick St. Peter's, either you went there or you don't like Kentucky. That's it. We'll come up with a poll question today, stat of the day, play of the day. By the way, this is how it sounded. The final call on Westwood One is St. Peter's defeats Kentucky. Three by Brooks on the way. He missed it. One second. Rebound comes to Drame, and that's it. David has stunned Goliath. The St. Peter's Peacocks, the tiny school of only 2,600 students, has knocked off mighty Kentucky, 85-79 in overtime. St. Peter's in Jersey City knocks off Kentucky. And if you watch the game, obviously Kentucky comes in with future NBA players. So size-wise, Kentucky's going to be more physical than St. Peter's. But you know what? When it comes to college basketball, you can still outshoot somebody and you can still outcoach somebody. And that's what happened last night with St. Peter's. You get into overtime, then it's anybody's game there. But give credit to St. Peter's. They were the better team last night. And... If you're a Kentucky fan, you really have to look within and go, man, it's great we got a ton of guys in the NBA. This is great. We have a great night with the NBA draft. But you start to wonder about the game plan, the philosophy, the strategy here. I'm bringing in great players, and John Calipari can recruit as well, if not better than anybody in the country. But you got one title to show for it. So every time Coach comes on and he tells me that his players have made over – a billion dollars in the NBA. I always think in the back of my mind, that makes it stand out even more that you haven't been successful in the tournament. You got one title with all of that talent, and nobody has sent more talent to the NBA than Kentucky has. Yes, Eden. It feels like Kentucky always has great scorers, but no shooters. You know, well, they, they always have these like super athletic dudes who will get you 30 a night or something, but somehow they, they can't get out of the first round or something. It's always a disappointment because they don't have a great shooter. And Devin Booker wasn't even a starter for Kentucky. Here is Coach Calipari after the loss. I feel bad for the guys because, I mean, they're taking it hard. They know you guys asked Kellen a question. It's tough for these kids. They know they what they did and how they did it and but I also say I'm going to say this again an eight point lead with three minutes to go let's go let's win this thing and a couple errors to make the game close you know you you, they went zone couldn't get them to throw the ball to the middle yeah you know 
You don't like to say somebody got outcoached. I mean, you, you know, it's I'm, I'm sensitive to it. I've been around these coaches for a long time. Uh, but your players got outplayed. Did you get outcoached? It certainly felt that way. You're up eight with three to go, and you're Kentucky. Got to win those games. And this is St. Peter's, right? But give them credit. I thought they were the better team from start to finish last night. They were more consistent than Kentucky. And sometimes when you're playing somebody, you're already looking past that team. Like, who do we play after St. Peter's? And that's where the coach goes, no, 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 focus on St. Peter. Yeah, right. <laughs> we got a 15 seed, St. Peter's. Uh, who do we have, like, next? And sometimes you'll run into an offense that's sort of, when we see college teams play Army, and we go, Oklahoma is struggling to beat Army at Oklahoma. And you're going, well, they didn't have long to prepare for Army. Certain teams, certain philosophy, certain strategies, and it works. That's why we love March Madness, because there are a lot of teams that you don't normally see, and then you, you watch them, like Richmond yesterday. You're going, wow, they're 12 seed. New Mexico State, 12 seed. Michigan, an 11 seed. That didn't surprise me. Um, Richmond surprised me, and certainly St. Peter's did last night. The last time double-digit seeds went 4-8 and eight on the first day. So, really, the du- last time double-digit seeds won four games in the first day of the tournament was 2010. So, it's been a long time. But there was a lot of fun. I mean, that's, that's why you watch, because you're not quite sure. I'm watching Gonzaga, and I'm going, come on, Gonzaga. What's going on here? Now, Fritzy sent out a text, and uh, I think it was um, three. What was it? Uh, Gonzaga up by three, and he goes, uh, you know, we should start looking at somebody. Uh, maybe we get Steve Lapis on to talk about the game if Gonzaga loses. There I was go, only like 18.48 left in the second half. Yeah, so. and I looked at the score. And I said, Gonzaga's up three. And I go, they're going to win by 20. <laughs> they won by 21. So I was off a little bit there. But it's fun. So if you say my bracket's broken, busted, you're not alone. And Iowa was another one. It felt like, well, Iowa getting hot at the right time. That's where you buy into that. And I always thought, okay, what are you like to get into the tournament? But I like the team that really is fighting to get into the tournament. Iowa did a wonderful job in the Big Ten tournament. And the Big Ten was the best conference this year. Most teams in the tournament. Three players, first-team All-American. And I'm watching Iowa, and I'm going, uh, better, better start playing well here. Going to get in trouble. And you're playing on a neutral court, and a lot of these players haven't played in the tournament. Like, you can play in a conference tournament, but when you play March Mad, I mean, it's just so much bigger. More, more media, and, you know, can be in a sterile environment. You sort of have uh, your fan base traveling with you. It's just odd. And you're playing in arenas that maybe you haven't played in before. And, and the background is different. The sound is different. Travel, when we get there, when we play. And then you get these other teams that are looking ahead. North Carolina looked wonderful. And North Carolina is a really scary team. Because when I saw them when they beat Duke, everybody focused on Duke losing. And I went, North Carolina looked great. That's the focus. And North Carolina looked good yesterday. And they blew out Marquette there. 
But if your brackets are busted, you're not alone. We're all in this together. By the way, make sure you pick up some, uh, it, well, we're calling it Merch Madness, the uh, DP show. We have, uh, well, Fritzy has one of the uh, March Madness t-shirts on today. I love this. We have the Pie Slamma Jamma. Does Marvin get a Pie Slamma Jamma shirt? Because you lost the bet. Does that make you feel better? You get a Pie Slamma Jamma <laughs> t-shirt? A little bit. Okay. Thanks. Good. Uh, go to danpatrick.com. This program brought to you by the great folks at Butcher Box. So we got the uh, shipment in yesterday. Uh, Butcher Box ships a curated selection of high-quality meat right to your home or the man cave in our case. And sign up at butcherbox.com slash Patrick. Get two pounds of ground beef free at every order and a $10 coupon there. All righty. Got ahead of myself. Got excited about March Madness. Let me give you the uh, specifics here of this program. iHeartRadio, Fox Sports Radio lineup. You can watch on Peacock all three hours. You got to download the app. You can watch for free. Say good morning to our radio affiliates. Play of the day, stat of the day. And our poll question, Seton, what are we sitting on today? I'm going to go with one, uh, a snarky one from Paul here. This is surprising. Uh, Team who loses that most pleases me. Uh, You love to watch Kentucky lose, Duke, the Lakers, Alabama, Tom Brady, other. Ooh. Neither, neither. Okay. Tom's not a team, but I figured he'd work himself in there. He's a brand. Yeah. I do think when it comes to March Madness, there are certain teams you can't root for. Even though that you know they might be better than somebody they're playing, but you still go, I can't write down that team's name. I didn't know enough about St. Peter's. I mean, I I like Coach Cal, but I would say it to him. You know, you can't tell me about all these great players and they're making billions combined in the NBA, but you have one title to show for it. And in today's college basketball world, he is doing what he does better than anybody else getting the great players, but you're only getting a one and done. And how many times do we see those teams that have juniors and seniors? It is amazing. And it's night and day difference between you can have a star freshman, great freshman, or you can have that guy who is a rung below him or two who's been there and understands. Remember when Villanova won? Remember when Virginia won? Having those guys who had been there for a little while. I played in so many playground games where you got younger guys who are just unbelievable. And then you'll see these older guys, you know, a guy who shows up in corduroys, you know, (laughs) Chuck Taylors. And the dude is just kicking your ass. And you're going, what the heck? You know, backdoor cuts, boxing out, the whole thing, you know. Yeah, that's Gene Short's guy. Yeah. He always kicks everybody. Yes. I still go back to when I played a game at the Downtown Athletic Club. This is where they used to hold the Heisman Trophy. That building has since been demolished after 9-11. But I remember going in there, and I it was a pickup game. Uh, Mike Dunleavy Sr. was there, the uh, former coach. So you know, people don't know that Mike Dunleavy can shoot as well as anybody I've seen. Like, he was a great deep shooter. But he looks like he's 60, 70 years of age. (laughs) And at the time, he was probably in his, you know, late 40s, early 50s. Now, nobody wanted to take Mike Dunleavy. And I'm like, I say to the guy who's on my team, I said, take him. He goes, the old dude? I go, take him. And so we get him and another guy who actually had pants on 
and he actually played at Yale, and he was 50 years of it. He had slacks on, <laughs> and I saw so it's me, it's Dunleavy, it's this guy who I eventually found out it played at uh, Yale, and we're going against these guys who are just you know, in warm-ups, just throwing it down. Like, it's, I'm going, holy, this is an aerial display. We killed him. And I say, we, the guy from Yale and Mike Dunleavy, killed him. And you just go, why? How? It's understanding the game. It's understanding the moment. And that's what happens in March Madness. You know, you just get the right team, the right matchup, and that team looking ahead to see, who do we play next? You got to beat St. Peter's. Who do we play next? You got to beat Richmond. Or in UConn's case, Marvin's case, who do we play after New Mexico State? Nobody, Marvin. You guys play nobody. Um, you got the rest of the month off. No, 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 no. They got intramurals. Oh. Yeah. Okay. They're going back to Gamble All right. for intramurals. All right. Uh, so which team, when they lose, pleases me most? This is a little... So you got team. It's a little wordy. Yeah, because you got team whose losses most please me. But, well, it's also Tom Brady. Okay, how about losses that most please me? Yeah. You can throw the the Yankees in there, too. Ooh. People love watching the Yankees. Yeah. That's not a big deal anymore when the Yankees lose. Yeah, it spent all that money. (laughs) Let's look what you got now. You didn't have nothing. Yeah, boy. I got a sneaky one that may not make this poll, but lately it's been popular. Clemson and Dabo Sweeney. People really enjoyed him losing last year, I noticed on social media. Not sure exactly why, but people enjoyed it. Well, you know, when all of a sudden you're uh, Newt Rockety, Amos Alonzo Stagg, you know, all rolled into John Heisman. I'm like, slow down here. Slow down. Yeah, they got humbled. Uh, All right. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at show. We will. More more madness in March. The NFL or college basketball. Because, boy, you can make a case. It's the NFL, certainly so far. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com. Or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at dpshow. In case you're wondering, Marvin, who loves his UConn Huskies, they went went down uh, in defeat last night. He is going to take the pie to the face, the first pie to, uh, of his career to the face. That'll be on uh, on Monday. Congratulations, buddy. Marvin didn't want to end his Friday with a pie to the face. Uh, so Monday, you start your Monday with a pie to the face. All right. Nobody. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sean in Sacramento, who I think made that bet with Marvin, joins us on the program. Uh, good morning, Sean. Oh, my uncle from another mother. My brother's behind the boys. How are we feeling today, Mr. <laughs> Marvin? Are we doing good over there, brother? Man, we blessed beyond belief besides UConn. <laughs> Hey, I just I just wanted to call in. I had to shout out Marvin. I was being a little bit of an a hole yesterday. I was I was hitting him up on Twitter at halftime, halfway <laughs> through the second half. Uh, I, I was feeling myself just like Teddy was feeling himself last night. But the guy took it on the chin. He even gave me a little shout out on Twitter. So hey, I'm happy to be the first Danette caller to christen you as an official Danette into the first row with a pie to the face. My question though for y'all though. 
Which Dinette's gonna do my man T hand the uh the favor of throwing the pie into his face? I think Paulie should. They work together in the front row, but sure. uh, thank you, Sean. Sean had the bet with uh, with Marvin. Anybody who takes part in a uh, pie to the face contest gets a pie slam and jam t shirt. Uh, let's see. A couple things. Um, got stat of the day coming up. We got uh, make sure you take advantage of merch madness. A lot of great things. DanPatrick.com. More phone calls coming up. And we say good morning to Peacock. That's our streaming partner. Here's what's happened in the last 11 days. Then we'll check in with the, uh, the Green Bay Packers. Russell Wilson was a Seahawk. This, so 11 days ago, Russ was a Seahawk. Tom Brady was retired. Aaron Rodgers, we weren't sure what was happening. Carson Wentz was a Colt. Devontae Adams was a Packer. Calvin Ridley was still an active Falcons wide receiver. Khalil Mack was a Bear. Von Miller, a free agent. Mitchell Trubisky, the Bills' backup quarterback. Deshaun Watson was prepping for a grand jury. And Troy Aikman and Joe Buck worked at Fox. There's a whole lot that's happened since. That's the real March Madness, not basketball, even though we'll talk about that. Some of the surprises last night. Pete Doherty covers the Packers for the Green Bay Press-Gazette, USA Today Network in Wisconsin. If I told you two weeks ago, Aaron Rodgers, signed, sealed, delivered, making $50 million a year, or that Devontae Adams was going to be a Raider, you would have said what? I would have said... No way. Um, I did. I always took it as it always looked to me like it was going to be a package deal and Rogers wouldn't come back unless he had assurances that Adams was going to be back. You know, Rogers made the point that he didn't want to be part of a rebuild and Adams is, his, you know, obviously his go-to guy and he wants to win the Super Bowl and they're a better team with Adams than without him. So um, the surprising thing here is that Rogers agreed to come back knowing that this was at least um, a possibility that, that the Packers would trade the guy, which reportedly he knew it was a possibility. See, that's what I found interesting. If I'm Aaron Rodgers and I know that Devontae Adams doesn't want to come back, then I would probably lean towards Rodgers wanting to leave if Adams or talk Adams out of wanting to leave and go play for, for the Raiders here. Like I'm, the, the, the Aaron Rodgers angle is really interesting to me, Pete, with the timing of it, and he's going to lose one of the best, if not the best, wide receiver in football. Yeah, that, that surprises me too. And you know, I mean, the money obviously mattered because he signed this deal that's paying him a legit, you know, fifty mil a year. Rogers did that, but if they traded him to Denver, I'm sure Denver would have or somebody else they would have paid him the same thing. Yeah, I think he saw the Packers as the best chance for him to get back to the Super Bowl. I mean, almost all the, you know, most of the good quarterbacks are in the AFC now, so the path to the Super Bowl is a little easier in the NFC. Packers have a lot of talent still, so, you know, they're a good team. Um, so, but Adams was, had to have been a big part of that cal- calculation, or at least I thought it was. And, you know, we haven't heard from him. And the Packers are the ones, as far as I can tell, who are leaking the information that Rodgers knew that this was a possibility. So maybe they're overstating the case and maybe he's not so happy. I will, you know, we'll find out in the coming weeks and months. They did get some assets in return, but, you know, I don't know what you think, Dan, but I, you know, maybe two years from now, this helps them out a lot if they hit on these draft picks. But for 2022, you know, their Super Bowl chances probably take a dip here. I don't see how they don't without what a great player Adams is. And you mentioned, Pete, that, 
you think the Packers leaked this information just to let their fan base know we did everything that we could possibly do? And it felt like they were saying that about Aaron Rodgers. Like, hey, we want him. Uh, you know, he's going to be the highest paid quarterback. Uh, they didn't say anything negative, and they're, they're probably doing the same thing, kind of covering their tracks with Devontae Adams. Was he going to make as much, if not more, if he stayed in Green Bay? That's what the leak, again, I'm sure from the Packers said, is that he was going to make the same. Now, contract structure, you never know about that stuff, guaranteed money, you never know for sure about that. But um, they're painting the picture that they – wanted to pay him the same amount of money. And I guess the other kind of surprising thing about this is I, you know, David Carr is a, a pretty good quarterback. If you're ranking all the quarterbacks in the league, he's probably right about in the middle. Right. Um, but you know, Adams is moving on from, and I, I see why you'd want to play with him. College teammate. He probably really likes the guy, but he's leaving, you know, one of the best pure passers to ever, you know, play the game. And I'm sure Adams is thinking all of fame at this point of his career. Um, so I'm a little surprised that, you know, he'd be okay leaving uh, Rodgers for, you know, just about any other quarterback, too. If I said you could interview Aaron Rodgers today, Devontae Adams today, or Brian Gutekunst, the GM of the Packers today, you only got one. Just one of them. Are they on truth serum? <laughs> I, I can't. I, I, I can't have that part of the, uh, <laughs> the, 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 okay. the equation. If they're not on true serum and it's on the record, then I'd want to talk to Adams. How much do you know about Adams? Did he ever bring up wanting to play for the Raiders before? You know, I saw a quote uh, yesterday that I'd forgotten about. He was asked about it really early in the season last year. And he said, you know, he, he didn't dismiss the possibility. He said, hey, you never know what's going to happen. I love David Carr. It'd be great to play with him again. Mm. Had something to that effect. So, you know, he did telegraph that this was at least a possibility in his mind. Yeah, I just – I it, it feels like Aaron Rodgers is going to get blamed for this. Should he? <laughs> for Adams leaving? Yeah. Because <laughs> he gets blamed for everything else. Yes, I guess. he does. Yes, he does. <laughs> yes, he does. Um, yeah, well, that's obviously that's why the Packers leaked what they did. <laughs> they, it wasn't our fault. <laughs> uh, is this is this still a threatening team? Like, a, if you're going to handicap the NFC right now, we don't know what they're going to do with that those draft picks. But Brady back. Rams got Allen Robinson. Um, I don't know if you the Cowboys seem like they might be stuck in neutral here. So handicap the NFC, where do the Packers fit in without Devontae Adams? Oh, they're still right up there, but they're, you know, their percent of chances of winning it, you know, go down a, a, at least a couple notches, you know, a couple percentage points. Um, the thing that, you know, jumps out to me, because Adams, you know, he produces great, which is huge, but he also changes the way that teams defend the Packers. He commands double teams and all that coverage. So he makes other guys better too. Um, I'm sure they're going to have to sign a veteran or two, you know, but it's going to be mid to lower tier guys. They're going to draft at least two receivers. I wouldn't be, wouldn't be a shocker if there were two in the first three rounds, even what do they have four or five picks there to work with in the first three rounds, five picks. Uh, but Rick, you know, we know rookie receivers often have trouble uh, contributing. So, I, I mean, I still think they're right there. They've got Bakhtiari back and uh, Alexander back. Both of those guys basically missed all last season and they still had, you know, the best record in the NFC. So, yeah, I, st I think they're still really dangerous, good running game. They got Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback. They're just a little less equipped now when they're playing their, their best teams unless they just hit huge 
on a draft pick who's ready to play a lot of good football, you know, right out of the gate. Your job's too easy, Pete. <laughs> imagine, oh. imagine if you covered the Jaguars. I mean, well, last year would have been interesting, but you, you got a story. You, the stories write themselves for you. They do. I got, last time we were, I was on, we were talking about, you know, the, the circus was coming to downtown because Rod, uh, Rogers was demanding a trade. So look how much things <laughs> change in, in one year. And he's back, and now who knows, maybe next year he wants out again. Were you there for all of Favre's career? I was. <laughs> how does that compare? Drama, the drama meter. <laughs> These Packers. You know, I didn't think it. I didn't think it could get higher than Favre, but it has managed to um, with all the COVID stuff last year with Rodgers and wanting the trade, and now all of this. It's um, it always ends up the same with these star quarterbacks, I guess. Pete, thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend. We appreciate your time. Sounds good, Dan. Appreciate you having me. That's thanks. Uh, Pete Doherty. He's the Packer columnist for the Green Bay Press Gazette. You know, there's certain jobs where you go. Like if you're Tim Cowleshaw, Dallas Morning News, it's like I mean, you wake up and you're like, uh, what do I want to write? You can't have writer's block. <laughs> if you're the Lakers beat writer, you, you, don't, you don't have writer's block. Or the Nets. You know, there's certain teams where you go, which, which story do I want to cover today? Not do we have one. All right, some phone calls here. Uh, Mike in Wisconsin. Hi, Mike. What's on your mind? Hey, good morning, Dan. Uh, 6'3", 260, 10 and one quarter inch hand. Oh, okay. Uh, I got a comment and a question regarding Vontae Adams' situation. Uh, But first, I got to tell you, I've been a longtime listener since the Dibble days. Uh, Found your TV show when I was recovering from spinal fusion surgery. So had a couple of years of rehab and recovery watching the show. Uh, next week I go back in for my second fusion. So I'm looking forward to the next couple of years. So I hope you don't, re- I hope you don't retire because I would be right back on the couch watching the show again every morning. All right. Um, uh, I, I, I will, I will continue to do this job while you go through rehab. Yes, Paulie. Was it elective spinal fusion? So you could spend more time watching our show. Cause we'd respect the heck out of that. Or was it necessary? Uh. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Good luck. Spinal fusion. That's something I haven't had, knock on wood. All my other surgeries that I've had. What, Todd? Well, I got these fiberglass pieces oh, in my right hand. Stop. And I know it's not exactly spinal fusion, but it still it hurts a lot when I put pressure on it. Yeah, Dan, I uh, found your show, actually, when I was uh, recovering from my these fiberglass splinters in my hand, actually, and I was out of work for three months, and that's how I found your show. I just want to say thanks. You got me through the fiberglass splinters. We do we do love a captive audience, you know, that if you can't get out of the house, you're our target audience there. Yes, Paul. Lose a foot, find a show. Yeah. The Dan Patrick yeah. Show. That should be a shirt. That's us. Uh, Adam in Arizona. Hi, Adam. What's on your mind? Yikes. How do I follow that <laughs> up? Uh, five, six, one forty. First time, long time. All right. Um, n- no surgeries, just straight up unemployed at the moment. Um, <laughs> uh, no, uh, sorry. Sorry, Marvin. Sorry, Marvin, about your Huskies. That blew my bracket, too. I went 13 for 16 yesterday. But what I'm really calling is with all this movement in the AFC West, I don't think the Chiefs are going to take it. Oh, okay. Anyone want to take, does anyone want to take me up on that bet? Okay, you're saying that uh, the team that wins the AFC West will not be Kansas City. Correct. 
All right. Does anybody want a piece of Adam in Arizona that somebody else other than the Chiefs will win the AFC West? Right on the phone because he's a Kansas City apologist, but. Yeah, because Nick, Nick believes that uh, the Chiefs will win it. Uh, Fritzy, you're a Bronco fan. I know, but uh, just uh, Kansas City is still the best team in the okay, division. I, right. I can't just because Russell Wilson's there. I can't okay. think something crazy. Like yeah, that. I don't know if you're going to get any takers here uh, because I got to look at. Do you believe in the Chargers? You believe in the Raiders? I don't think the Broncos are going to be the best team. Though I, I, we don't have a taker for you, Adam. But uh, you know, we do appreciate you making that offer there. Thought Fritzy might believe in his Broncos. But. I do, but to just look at all the teams except for the Chiefs, like, I got to get this guy, I got to grab that guy. And the Chiefs are like, we're fine, we're good, we're still the best team. I don't care who you guys pick up. But didn't you bet that the Broncos are going to make the playoffs? I did. That's a far cry from winning the West. They've, okay. lost, they've lost to the Chiefs, I think, like 11 times in a row. Like, are I'm you saying. owed a pie? Do you have a pie coming? I do. I, I don't recall what it was. What it, was. it might have been Broncos related from last year, but I am owed a pie. How about this? If you can remember losing that bet, you don't have to take a pie to the face. Or if you can't remember it, then it's two pies to the face. Do you want to take? I, I thought it was about the Broncos making the playoffs last year, but I but that I do we have that bet a lot of times. So okay. I'm yes. not completely sure. Yes, Eden. Oda Pie sounds like a former college basketball player from like Houston back in the seventies. <laughs> remember Oda Pie? Yeah, guy was awesome. There, there was a there was a player who played for Houston, and I think you can check this. His name was Anaset Lava Drama. <laughs> Doesn't that feel like Key and Peele? They would have they would have brought in Anaset Lava Drama, played for the Houston Cougars, I believe. Paulie? Anaset Lava Drama, 1997 Hall of Fame. Houston Baptist, Shubat. Oh, okay. He was at Houston Baptist. Okay. I got the name. He's from a long line of Lava Dramas, Dan. Yeah. He was an All-American for the... Uh, yeah, for the Huskies. <laughs> Three-time All-Conference. Yeah. And then there's the lava drama queen, you know, in the family. Is my, never mind. Like drama queen. Oh, yeah, drama queen. So, yeah. Hello. Queen. Hello. Is this thing on? That's a great call. Anaset lava Anaset drama. Anaset lava drama. <laughs> 8283. He yeah. was a good player. Yeah. He, he made a of pie. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR, or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories. You download it. You listen to it. I think you'll like it. Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I uh, have been keeping an eye out on the insiders doing all the heavy lifting here. I just like to sit back, and occasionally I'll be stealth and maybe get a story for you. And I'm always curious what Tom Pelissero, the NFL Network, is doing. You can follow him, Tom Pelissero, on Twitter, at Tom Pelissero. Last two weeks, now that's been March Madness, Tom. With everything that's happened the last 11 days, I ran down the list of Russ was a Seahawk, Brady retired, Wentz a Colt, Adams a Packer, Ridley wasn't suspended, Mack was a Bear, Von Miller a free agent, Trubisky with the Bills, Deshaun Watson prepping for the grand jury, and Troy Aikman and Joe Buck work for Fox. That's the last 11 days. 
I was on the phone around midnight last night with a GM, and we were talking about this same thing. And I go, do you realize Russell Wilson got traded nine days ago? It's not even in the top 10 right now in terms of like the big stories, not by importance, but just by the number of things that are, you know, close to that big. It's been a, a year unlike any other in the NFL. I think that we always look at all these situations when you're kind of trying to game this out before you head into the offseason of, okay, this could happen. That would trigger this. Most of the time that stuff doesn't happen. This year it actually is happening. And I think that that's also a function of the direction that the NFL is going when you come out of a, an offseason a year ago where you had a Matthew Stafford who said, I want to move on. The Lions said, okay, we'll accommodate you, have a blockbuster trade uh, going to the Rams. You had Aaron Rodgers who made his feelings known and generated real change that led to different roster moves and then a new contract uh, in this offseason. Players are figuring out, the top players, not the, the rank and file, but the top players are figuring out, much like the NBA, they have a great deal of power over – uh, where they end up, and right now you're seeing a variety of players exercising that in various forms. Devontae Adams, out of all of the things we talk about, the biggest surprise is Devontae Adams leaving Green Bay. Why? I'm not going to say why didn't we see this happening, but it felt like everything was falling into place. Roger's coming back, therefore he wants Devontae Adams. Next thing I know, Devontae Adams wants to tell me about growing up a Raider fan and wants to play with his former college teammate, and I guess they live next door to one another. Like, how did we not see this coming? This really traces back to last summer when the Packers were trying to do a long-term extension with Devontae Adams. And one of the issues in the wide receiver market has been the fact that Julio Jones on the extension that he signed in Atlanta, I want to say it was before the 2019 season at $22 million per year, has been the highest paid receiver on a traditional extension for several years now. But you also have DeAndre Hopkins, who when he got traded from the Texans to the Cardinals, signed a two-year extension on top of the three years he had left on his old deal at $27.25 million per year. Now, every team and most agents will look at that and say, that's not a true 27.25 because the Cardinals didn't pay any of the money on the old contract. They basically did a new five-year deal that was in line with the Julio Jones deal. But Devontae Adams and his agents were pressing to go beyond DeAndre Hopkins. The Packers were willing to go beyond Julio Jones, make him the highest paid receiver by their metrics. That led to a huge gap in the negotiations. And so this was festering throughout the course of the season. Devontae Adams said many times, number one, he would not take a, a cut. He would not take a hometown discount to stay in Green Bay. And number two, he didn't want to be franchise tagged. It would have been malpractice for the Packers not to tag him, but when they tried to jumpstart negotiations, and they were, as my colleague Ian Rappaport reported uh, late last night from Adams' agents, the Packers were ultimately willing to go above and beyond what the Raiders did in terms of money. At that point, though, Adams had already said, I'm not playing on the tag. I want to go to Las Vegas. It put the Packers in a position where it behooved the organization to explore the alternative. And the other remarkable thing with this, Dan, was on Wednesday, my understanding from both sides was this trade was dead. The Raiders had backed away from it. They actually, I was told, had called other teams about potential other wide receiver deals. They weren't able to get something done. They came back to it on Thursday. They upped their offer to the one and the two this year. Things accelerated quickly. They had that monster new contract that does go beyond DeAndre Hopkins in place. And now Devontae Adams is a very rich man, and Aaron Rodgers is a man wondering who he's going to be throwing to in 2022. Okay, if Aaron Rodgers had known this, would he have re-signed with Green Bay? 
Aaron Rodgers knew about the frustration for Devontae Adams, and the Packers had looped Aaron Rodgers in on the trade conversations, not putting him on the phone with the Raiders, of course, but I mean, they had talked with him. Coach Matt LaFleur had spoken with him. Rodgers, more than anyone, understands what it's like to be frustrated with the Packers and frustrated about why they wouldn't step up sooner with the contracts. That's literally what played out last offseason with him and triggered that entire chain of events. So really from this point forward, it's about what can they do. And I would tell you this, Dan, the Packers are going to be aggressive. Uh, They're going to be looking in the trade market. They're going to be looking in what remains of the free agent market. I anticipate that their wide receiver depth chart is going to look uh, vastly different in the days and weeks to come than it does right now. Well, I'm wondering about this. You got uh, Julio Jones, Jarvis Landry, Juju Smith-Schuster, Odell Beckham might be out there. Am I missing anybody? Those are some of them. Odell, you remember he tore his ACL, retore it in mid-February. So if you're talking a normal eight to nine month recovery, he's not playing before middle of next season. And so that's going to affect, obviously, the money he okay. gets. It's going to affect the Rams, which is part of why they went out and got uh, Allen Robinson. Uh, Robert Woods right now is available. He's also coming off an ACL. So that's a guy that Matt LaFleur overlapped with, uh, with the Rams. He potentially could be uh, a trade target for Green Bay. The other guys, I mean, Julio is sitting out there. Juju is sitting out there. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who's was with the Packers and is not yet signed, uh, it's still on the free agent market. And then some of those, you know, those veterans like the Jarvis Landry's who have been released as well as Julio, uh, all those are potential options here. You know that Rodgers wants to have guys who have done it. Not to say that he won't work with a rookie, but if you look at the history of rookie receivers with Aaron Rodgers, usually their production has an uptick two, three years in. Well, Rodgers isn't worried about 2024 at this point. It's about <laughs> how are we going to do this in 2022? So they'll go out. I would anticipate they'll acquire one, if not two, veterans, uh, and that may happen sooner than later. Tom Pelosero, NFL Network reporter. Where do we stand with Deshaun Watson? Deshaun Watson eliminated the Browns on Thursday morning and caused an entire storm uh, with that announcement that we can discuss as well. Uh, Last night, he eliminated the Carolina Panthers. And so at this point, uh, Watson's choices are down to the Falcons and the Saints. The Saints were really the front runner from go. They have the most you know, win-ready team outside of arguably Cleveland, of course, but Watson didn't want to go to a a cold-weather place in the northern United States. Um, You know, but you've got a a Saints team that's got Alvin Kamara. They've got Michael Thomas. It sounds like Watson's been uh, in communication with both those guys on practically a daily basis. Uh, They've got talent on that roster. And then you got the Falcons, who are kind of still in this transition phase. I mean, Dan, I'm standing here talking to you right now, and I'm not sure I can name three receivers on the Falcons' current roster. Uh, they got Kyle Pitts. Yeah. I, I do know that. Uh, Olamide Zacchaeus, I believe, was back on an RFA tender. Uh, yep, I'm sure somebody else out there is thinking, why don't you think of this guy? I can't even name him off the top of my head. So the thing is, when you have this type of a trade, and we're talking about unprecedented compensation in terms of three first-round picks, additional picks, and likely a player involved as well, you run into this issue of, okay, we're getting the quarterback, but now we have – vastly fewer resources to go out and put pieces around them. So if you're joining a team like the Falcons that's in this transition phase, even though they do have really good players like A.J. Terrell on defense, uh, Kyle Pitts on offense, you have to wonder about that. And so that's definitely part of Watson's decision-making right now uh, because he's got personal ties to Atlanta. He knows Arthur Blank, former Falcons ball boy. Uh, He'd love just on a personal level to go back there, but you have to weigh that out. I mean, Deshaun Watson has lived the life of a guy who threw for – what was it, 4,500 yards and went 4-12 and on a terrible team. He doesn't want to be a part of that again. So 
it, that's part of what he's evaluating here. We thought the decision was going to come yesterday. That was the plan. Uh, by late last night, it became apparent that wasn't going to happen because most of the owners he'd be calling were in bed. So the hope is that he's going to make a decision today because there's so much business around the NFL that is held up right now between Matt Ryan's future, Baker Mayfield's future. Uh, there are free agent quarterbacks like Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota who are waiting to see how this plays out as well. There are other free agents at different positions wondering where this is going to go. I mean, there's a lot of dominoes that this Watson decision is going to knock over. Yeah, and Jimmy Garoppolo as well. Uh, Baker Mayfield, how much leverage does he have to truly get out of Cleveland? Leverage is a, is a fair question, Dan, because he's under contract for, I believe it's about $18.8 million on the fifth-year option this year. Uh, like any quarterback, if you – decide to carry it out into the offseason. You're talking about not having the starting quarterback there through OTAs, which are all voluntary, not there in the offseason program. If you skip minicamp, it's a relatively moderate fine of a little over $100,000 if you miss all three days. Now you're into training camp and you have that cloud that hovers over the organization. Do the Browns want to be a part of that or do they want to move on? You know, what I was told yesterday was when Deshaun Watson informed the Browns that they were out on him, the Browns were reaching out to Baker Mayfield and they had talked with them. They had let his representation know at the combine that they were going to be examining options. But for Baker Mayfield and knowing his makeup, this is just not a situation he wanted to be a part of. So what I was told was they reached out to him and said, hey, we'll come down to Austin. We'll meet with you. We'll talk it out. We want to find the path forward. You're our guy. And Baker Mayfield's response was no. Just don't worry about it. He feels like this bridge has been burned. The time to move on is right now. The Browns told his agent they're not going to accommodate the trade request, but it increasingly appears that these two sides are headed for a divorce. And again, the Deshaun Watson decision and all the other things that will happen after that will dictate what the potential spots are. Yeah, but what Baker kind Mayfield of trade market is too. there for Baker Mayfield? Like he, he's coming off an injury, play, you know, injury season, uh, injured season, and didn't play well. Uh, so I see this is where I, I was surprised that they put out that letter saying goodbye to Cleveland because if you're Baker Mayfield knowing his makeup of being a competitor it's like hey you want to flirt with him I'm still the quarterback here I would I would play this out in Cleveland and if I played well now I have leverage now uh, you want to trade me I can go to someplace else and more people would be interested or the Browns would have to step up and and extend him but I, I don't know if like, I don't want to give up much for Baker Mayfield right now. There's not a lot of precedent. It's happened in the league, but there's not a ton of precedent for a uh, number one overall pick, but really any first-round quarterback to play out the fifth-year option. So already Baker Mayfield was in this weird lame-duck territory where, yes, the message would be, hey, come in, ball out for $18.8 If you do that, you're going to be getting paid $40 million plus in a long-term extension. If you don't, then obviously – you know, all parties are going to move on. So you can get on board with that at some level, but then when you have this very public flirtation with Deshaun Watson, it does <laughs> change just the dynamics a little bit. I mean, Baker is a big personality, right? He's going to lead a certain way in the locker room. And, you know, perhaps on some level, when it feels like that's being undercut, his ability to lead that way, um, that has an effect on the situation. He's just, the feeling is, from what I was told, he feels like, that bridge has been burned. He wants to move on. Mm. You know, what the trade market would be. Again, $18.8 million is not an astronomical number for another team to take on. And Baker, you know, 14 months ago, he was leading the Browns to their first playoff win in like 26 years. They went 11-5. and five. I think they scored 40 points in that game. It's not like he's been a bottom five quarterback within the NFL. At his best, uh, he's been certainly a, a sufficient starter for a team. And so 
there's a handful of teams that have unsettled quarterback situations right now. You've got teams like the Seahawks, where remember GM John Schneider is close with John Dorsey, who drafted him number one overall. Scott McLuhan is close with Schneider, was advising Dorsey at the time. You can envision a scenario where hey, Green and Baker have him compete with Drew Locke. There's all kinds of different things, Dan, that could end up happening here. Uh, but you're running out of chairs. I mean, this really is a game of musical chairs. There's only so many places that guys can go, which is why. You know, Pitt, Mitch Trubisky jumps quickly on the Steelers' offer for the chance to compete. Um, there's not a lot of places that Baker or any quarterback at this point is going to be the walk-in-the-door starter outside of Indianapolis, which I imagine is going to know pretty quickly after the Watson decision what direction they're going to go as well. Yeah, but if Chris Mortensen's source is correct that the Browns wanted an adult at quarterback and, and they were reaching out to Deshaun Watson, like how clueless can you be that you want an adult and your adult is Deshaun Watson? I can't speak to Mort's reporting on that particular <laughs> subject. I certainly understand why there would be certain frustrations uh, from the Browns organization about what happened in 2021. I mean, you finally get a playoff win. You seem to have momentum. You got a really good young roster and you just struggle throughout the course of the season. But part of it was, it, you mentioned it, Dan, he played hurt. And this is one of the things that I think, and this is not a defense of Baker Mayfield. It's more of a, a broader point. Everybody always wants to say, you know, the guys that play hurt, oh, they're so tough and it's so respectable. And boy, he's doing it for his team. No, it was a mistake. It was a mistake. When you play badly and you're hurt, nobody's just like, (laughs) well, he's playing badly because he's hurt. But man, good effort. No, Baker sucks now. It's like I was at the game. Uh, I think it was against Arizona where he popped the shoulder out for the second time. I mean, I thought the guy had like broken his arm. I mean, it was, he went down, he's writhing on the ground in pain. I mean, he was playing through a lot. He was playing in the harness. The shoulders popping in and out. He had like a calf or some other issue that actually was the worst injury throughout the course of the season. That's the one that wasn't getting better. I mean, he played through a lot. Again, I'm not defending Baker Mayfield. I'm just saying anytime you got a guy who's playing through a bunch of different injuries, you have to, just like Jimmy Garoppolo last year, where he hurts the finger and then he throws a terrible interception in Tennessee. It's like, yeah, quarterbacks are hurt. You're not going to play as well. It's, you know, you always have to take that into the evaluation. It's really about do you feel like a Baker Mayfield can be the right leader for your team? Do you feel like you can capture what he was in 2020? Everybody was praising Kevin Stefanski. He was the coach of the year that year, in part for getting Mayfield playing at that high of a level. Uh, it, we've seen that it's in there for Mayfield. He's just got to do it consistently. Thank you, Tom. Uh, we appreciate your time. Great job this week. You got it, Dan. Thank you. That's Tom Pelissero, NFL Network reporter. Who knows what the headline's going to be on Monday in the NFL, the way things are going. It'll probably be Deshaun Watson related. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. Let me see if I have a stat of the day. The uh, double-digit seeds won four games Thursday's first round, and uh, that was Michigan, New Mexico State, Richmond, and St. Peter's. The last time double-digit seeds won four games or more on the first day of the tournament, 2010. And the 3-3-3 winning percentage on Thursday equals the best mark by double-digit seeds on the first day of the tournament since the field expanded to 64 teams in 1985. Stat of the day, stat of the day, stat of the day, stat of the day. Here comes that what? Stat of the day. 
Uh, I'm keeping an eye on the Steph Curry injury because I thought once Draymond Green came back, Clay Thompson is just getting back, starting to play a lot better. Curry goes down with a sprained ligament in his foot on Wednesday night, and I guess he's going to be out to the start of the playoffs. Golden State has to be cautious with everything that's happened to Steph and Draymond and Clay. And I thought that they would have enough depth here. Like, you know, I keep waiting for James Wiseman to be ready to go. I mean, he was the number two overall pick. And you go, oh, that's right. Now, not a great player. Played at Memphis one year. But, you know, if you're going to compare him to Zion Williamson, uh, man, he's not even in the conversation whatsoever. But uh, Wiseman is reportedly close to a return. And they do have some pretty good players there depth-wise. But, you know, injuries start to linger, and I still like Golden State in the West when everybody's healthy. But that's a big if, because right now Phoenix has been wonderful from start to finish. Yes, Paulie? From an entertainment standpoint, as a, you know, a, a casual NBA fan who watches a lot of playoffs, losing Steph Curry would bum me out as much as any athlete missing a playoff. Yeah. yeah. More than LeBron, more than Durant. Just the, the entertainment value. Well, there's, there's Luka, there's Ja, I still throw in LeBron. Um, Steph is obviously in there as well. Kyrie? Yeah, Kyrie, for, for a variety of reasons. He's pretty spectacular. Yes, he's fascinating. I, I don't... I just wish he played more. That's all. But, hey, he chooses not to uh, for his reasons. And as long as Kevin Durant's okay with that, and the Nets. Uh, and, and Steph just turned 34. And I'm watching last night... And I'm, I'm watching some bad shooters. Like watching college basketball, there are some really, there are some bad basketball, bad shooting. And it feels like everybody can shoot and you get the green light. I mean, 25 feet. Like you're going, you, can you get a better shot than that? That's what was amazing. I was watching a lot of bad shooting. I know Gus Johnson came out recently and said, Steph Curry is ruining basketball. No, it's everybody who thinks they're Steph Curry is ruining basketball. I can't put this on Steph. I mean, Steph is one of one. But I can't. You watch those games last night, and, and you got these kids. They don't stop shooting. They just go, hey, I missed one. I'm going to shoot another one. Yeah, Paulie. Gus actually said, Steph bad for basketball? Oh, yes, he is. <laughs> is he bad? I think he is. Paulie's been doing his, uh, since Gus doesn't call the games anymore in March Madness, Paulie's been acting as if Two Gus... Two cheeseburgers and fries! Yes! yes. <laughs> orders. Is uh, Rebecca Lowe set to join us? She certainly is. All right. The new American citizen, right. Rebecca Lowe. Big acquisition. Yeah. Yay. That was good. I don't know if there was a trade, uh, but man, I, I'm, we're really happy to have you on our team, Rebecca. Dan Patrick, good morning. Thank you very much. No, no trade. Only one way. Can you believe that? Did you have to take a test to be a citizen? Oh, oh, did I? My husband and I have spent the last two months studying the 100 questions that you guys request that we know the answer to all of them. And then we get 10 asked of us by a very scary federal agent in a scary windowless room in Sacramento. And if we get six right, we're in. Wait, six out of 10? Yeah, 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 but I know that sounds like it's easy, but can I just, I would love 
to just hold you a few questions because okay. I don't even know. Okay. I, I probably won't do well on this, but we'll all participate. All right. Uh, first of all, let me give the official uh, introduction. Rebecca Lowe, host of NBC's Premier League coverage this Sunday at 1230 Eastern on USA Network. Harry Kane and Tottenham will host the <laughs> Hammers of West Ham. That's a key match for the race for the European qualification. Both clubs have 48 points. All right, Rebecca, give us a couple of the questions that you had to become a U.S. citizen. Right. Okay. Um, I'm looking through them. Okay. Uh, name. Um, okay. What is the rule of law? What is the rule of law? I know. It's not even that easy a question. Yeah. And you have to get it right, Dan Petrie. What is the rule of law? Yes, yeah, Seton. I'm going to say the Constitution. That's just not correct. Just not correct. There are four different answers. One of them is everyone must follow the law. Uh, uh, <laughs> I was just about to say right. it's something uh, that people should follow, but I was, being a, I was joking. All right, then let me ask you one more. Okay. How many justices are on the Supreme Court? Todd? I thought there was 12. That may be too much. Again, you shouldn't be allowed in your own country. It's nice. <laughs> Just nine. A grand jury is 12. This is not good. This is not good. Okay, um, do you want me to give you just one more? Yeah, sure, why not? All right, why not? Um, What is, okay, this is easy. What is one promise you make when you become a United States citizen? To uphold the Constitution. I mean, it's not written in front of me, Dan. I'm just not sure that you'd make it if you did this. No, that it, I mean, you know, defend the Constitution. Do you want to go with that? Well, uphold means defend. So when I, like, if I'm guarding somebody on the basketball floor, I like to say I'm upholding them, not defending there you them. Go. Oh, of course you do. Yeah, you're in. Okay. You're in. Thank you're you. an American. By the, by the way, I, when I saw Cristiano Ronaldo and Tom Brady talking on the pitch, and yeah. and CR seven asked uh, TB twelve, so you're done. And Tom couldn't answer him. That's when I go, you got it. You're breaking news right there. I, I uh, that's when I knew Tom was coming back. Hundred percent. I mean, it genuinely would be fascinating to find out whether watching thirty seven year old Ronaldo score a hat trick at Old Trafford, um, you know, had anything at all to do. I don't know how old Brady is, but he's older than that, isn't he? I mean, maybe he's got that. Right. Oh, my God. He is really old. Okay. So maybe he just got that little bit of inspiration he needed, that final little piece in the jigsaw. As always, Dan, the Premier League dictates the world. Uh, Well, we were wondering about this. Uh, Hotter. uh, We all voted on this. Hotter Tom Brady or or, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. And it turned out that uh, it was a tie. So you're the tiebreaker here. Who is hotter? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, who, who is hotter? Oh, it's, um, this is a I, I'm, I'm probably Tom Brady. Oh, okay. What, now what you that? are an American. She is an American. Oh, Oh yeah, um, strong so, to my root. So you uh, you filled out your bracket, and you are the only celebrity in the bracket challenge here who uh, picked St. Peter's over Kentucky. So congratulations! And I know you probably did a lot of, as much research to become a U.S. citizen as you did on your college basketball pra- uh, bracket. So uh, congratulations. 
Dan, I'm sure if you look around the rest of the bracket, you'll see that, that I'm obviously going to win this year. I've done it for a number of years with you guys. I know a lot about it, Insider, all of that. Um, St. Peter, well, St. Peter, is that what then? St. Peter's? Is that their, their name? St. Peter's? St. Peter's. Yes. Right. Yes. The peacock, right? Yeah. I mean, yes. talk about staying on brand, by the way. I know. <laughs> right. You can watch this program on Peacock, by the way. Download the app. And then uh, picking uh, the national championship game, I think you might be the only person who picked Ohio State and Alabama to play in the national title game. <laughs> but I thought Alabama were really good at sport. They are. They're good at football. Uh, oh. Maybe, you know, Ohio State has, has been better at basketball. It'd be like if I said um, Liverpool is going to win the cricket title. Is that? Oh, gosh. Wow. I, maybe I just made a slight error. If, Fritzy, could you just send it back? I'll just make a few <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's, it's better entertainment that way. <laughs> You're welcome, Dan. But now I'm an American. There really is no excuse. I need to up my knowledge. Okay. What is happening in Chelsea that we need to know about? What is the future? Okay, so, oh gosh, Dan, I love the way you ask me these massive questions, probably with about 60 seconds to go. Um, the future is probably going to be owned by an American. I would suggest there are, I think, at least four who have to have their bids in by tonight at 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern, I think wow. I want to say, wow. um, to a New York bank. Um, and I think four of those, if not three are American-owned, American businessmen. And lots of them you'll know names of. Woody Johnson, uh, uh, Todd Harris. I mean, there's all sorts of um, other sport owners over here, NFL, NBA, MLB owners, who are trying to buy Chelsea. So I'm sure you'll probably know the names of most of them. Um, And we, and we, and for, you know, for the sake of football, you don't want Chelsea going out of business. And if there's no takeover and there is no sale, Chelsea will run out of money by the end of the season, um, which is, I cannot even believe I'm saying that. It's the craziest story of all time. Um, but it, yeah, they, they are heading, heading in not a great direction unless somebody comes in for a, with a sale. And then it's all about whether or not that new owner wants to pump in as much money as Roman Abramovich pumped in, which in the end was a $1.5 billion loan that he obviously has had to write off. So it's not like Chelsea makes money. Premier League clubs don't really make money, Dan. You don't buy a Premier League club to make money. But I was also wondering about this. Uh, if it's an American owner, what advice would you give an American owner owning you know, a, a team in the Premier League and ingratiating yourself that the fans accept you? Well, I think if you have to look at John W. Henry and Tom Werner and the great work they've done at Liverpool, I think what you have to do is surround yourself with people who know the game. That's the most important thing, Dan, that you can do. Actually, whether you're an owner in the U.S. or at a major league soccer club or you're an owner in the U.K., surround yourself with people who know the game, who can make the footballing decisions. Because, it's yes, it's a business, but English football clubs are not – they're a business with a – but also, and the but also is, it's a religion, and it doesn't work like normal businesses. And so you cannot just be a brilliant business head. You have to know the game as well. So if I'm advising the new American owners, I'm telling them to make sure they install probably Brits, but certainly Europeans who have know the Premier League, know the game, and can make those football decisions alongside the owner's brilliant business knowledge as well. And then you'll get a really good system going. Have you been asked to be in season three of Ted Lasso? (laughs) I I couldn't possibly come. Have you, Dan Patrick? I mean, Arlo's in it all the time. Like, why aren't you in this? We 
we need to we need to address this. I yes. think. I think we need to sort this out. <laughs> Paul, well, Paul, Paul, Dan, the yeah. original, the original Dan Patrick commercial, way back, the NBC one, that was the original. I mean, like, you know, I was in that, so I'm gonna. That's a big deal. Way back, right at the beginning, the OG. That's when it started with uh, with Jason there. That's it. Um, it's great to talk to you, and congrats uh, being a uh, one of us, and uh, congrats on St. Peter's. And how is Teddy? Teddy is nearly six, would you believe, and just thriving. Thank you for asking. Awesome. Awesome. And Teddy's one of us. Oh, already born and bred. Absolute pure yank through and through. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, great to talk to you. Thanks for joining us as always. Bye, guys. And that's Rebecca Lowe, host of NBC Sports Premier League coverage. And uh, that's a great pickup for our country. This Sunday, it'll be the Hammers of West Ham against Harry Kane and Tottenham at uh, 1230 Eastern on USA Network. A couple of uh, phone calls here. you got to have bids in by 9 o'clock tonight to buy Chelsea. Can we maybe uh, pull, pull our resources together? <laughs> maybe we get uh, Warren Buffett could help us. Uncle Warren? Yeah. It's the quick loan. Yeah. Quick loan. Yeah. couple bill. Uh, let's see. Uh, Jason in Missouri. Hi, Jason. What's on your mind today? Hello, DP. I was wondering maybe one day on the show that toddler can only speak for an entire show every time he raises his hand. He can only speak in limerick form. Oh, God, don't encourage him, Jace. No. You know, I was thinking, some people said, you know, that Fritzy, whenever he talks, has to talk like Dr. Phil. You got a lasso and a cowboy hat and all that. Doesn't mean you're on a ranch. You're going to help your daughter that way. You got this big fancy aquarium. You ain't got no fish in it. How are you going to help your kid? You ain't got no fish in that aquarium. Spend $5 million on an aquarium. I can't find one Wait, fish in there. My wife cheated on me. What are you, how is this helping me? Your daughter's on drugs because you got this big fancy hat and you got the fire hose and everything. You ain't no fireman. Don't make your fireman. Because you got a ladder and you got the engine and the siren. Don't make your fireman. <laughs> That's that's a double. You stretched it into a triple. I like it. <laughs> uh, Rick in South Carolina. Hi, Rick. What's on your mind? <laughs> oh, good morning, Dad. Hi, First Rick. of all, Rebecca Lowe is probably one of your best guests. She is awesome. She is. And uh, she is wonderful. Uh, but I believe I've narrowed down maybe Fritzy's issues here. There's a poltergeist in the man cave. Okay. And I think the poltergeist is that doll that's got the red sweater on right in front of you. And every time Fritzy looks through the glass and sees you, Coach Lou Holtz looks at him, and they speak the same language. All right, that's my Lou Holtz and doll so think, that I've got there. Okay. Oh, I see what he's saying. That's a little far-fetched. I don't know what no, he doesn't sound like that. You you do the Lou Holtz. I can't do it. I, I, yeah. I have done the Lou Holtz impersonation to Lou Holtz. They put their pants on the <laughs> same way we do. <laughs> <laughs> Seton always lowers his head and shakes his oh, head whenever dear. I do that. They put their pants on the same way we do. First of all, I'd never take the Lord's name in vain. Oh, I know. When he said that, I said, how do you, how do you feel? Okay, we've all had those do an impersonation in front of somebody moment. It never goes well. It does not. When Fritzy did Shannon Sharp in front of Shannon Sharp. I can't believe Sharp, you had me do that. That, that didn't go well. 
uh, when I did Lou Holtz in front of Lou Holtz. Paulie did Andrew Luck in front of Andrew Luck, but he seemed okay with that. <laughs> that was tense, so because I, I, 30 seconds before, I had the feeling you were going to do it. I was like, oh, man, this is not going to go well. And Seton, you've done yours. Uh, I don't know if you've done your Brett Favre. Oh, Al Michaels. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, he didn't really care I for don't it. think so I really didn't I don't think he it. realized that that could be an impersonation I think you got into Al Michaels head and there he goes <laughs> now we'll be doing that on Amazon oh man all right take a break if you're watching on Peacock uh you'll see grown men having bangers and mash <laughs> 